Today's scripture reading is from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O loving God, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. There's something you are holding right now. It might be moderate, it might be more acute. It might be a weight you feel like you can handle, or it might feel so heavy you fear your back will break or that it will pull you to the ground. What you are holding right now in some form is loss. Maybe you're a student, and you recall last fall how you could attend classes with friends and meet in person to do science experiments or make music or discuss novels or play basketball in a gym full of people and now physical distance separates you from others. You remember last fall and this year that all seems lost to you. Maybe you're a teacher. And you recall last fall how you could meet with students in person and meet with other colleagues enjoying physical proximity. Maybe you were a parent overwhelmed by the demands of supervising your child's online education and their schedule. Maybe while also trying to hold down a job, Lord, have mercy. You remember last fall, the freedom you had, how it all seemed manageable back then but that day feels lost to you now. Perhaps you live alone or are retired or your children have recently moved away and you remember how last fall you met with others in person for meals or for worship or for small groups and so much of that rich sense of in-person human community is lost to you at this time. You knew it in the past. You trust you'll know it again in the future, but right now you only hold it as loss. Or maybe your loss is heavier still. This last month I exchanged texts and phone calls with a number of you as you said goodbye to a mother or father. And even if they had lived a long, full, and rich life, even if you trusted they were in God's gracious hands, still you had to say goodbye to them and their living presence that was with you, now it is lost to you. 
Roland Barthes, the French philosopher and literary critic, lost his mother, Henrietta, to death back in 1977. The day after her passing, he began writing in his journal. The first day, he wrote, everyone guesses I feel this, the degree of a bereavement's intensity. A few days later, he wrote Monday, 3 p.m., back alone for the first time in the apartment. How am I going to manage to live here all alone? And at the same time, there is no other place. Of that Saturday, he writes, as I went to purchase a tea cake at a bakery, taking care of the customer ahead of me, the girl behind the counter says, voila. It was the expression I used when I brought mama something when I was taking care of her. That word spoken by the girl at the bakery brought tears to my eyes. I kept on crying for quite some time back in my silent apartment. Maybe that is the kind of loss you hold right now. And one word spoken in a bakery can fill your eyes with a flood of tears. The first Five verses in the book of Ruth contain some of the most heart-wrenching words in Scripture. In just a few sentences, they paint a portrait so full of deep loss. We imagine an ocean of tears must have filled Naomi's eyes. The story begins in Bethlehem in Judah, and the times are decidedly dark. We read there was a famine in the land. Famine. That means the very real risk of having to watch those you love starve. And not only was there a famine, we read, but we come to these words. These were the days when the judges ruled. And you recall from the book of Judges, that was a time when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Evil was rampant. Sure, God would provide episodes of inspired leadership. And those periods of time were wonderful, but they were short-lived. And when that judge, that ruler that God sent would step down or would die, all things would seem to go to hell. Famine and political instability, these are precisely the reasons people migrate today, why they leave their homes in places like Syria and Honduras, where Irma is from. That's what Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons did in the days when the judges ruled. They immigrated to a foreign land, leaving behind the home they had known. What a loss that represents for the immigrant. In studying my own family's history, I learned of a time my ancestors knew such a loss. My father's great-great-grandparents, Edward and Rebecca Caldwell, immigrated to Canada from Ireland back in the mid-1800s. Why'd they take that perilous boat trip to a new continent and leave behind a home and country they had known before? It was surely for the same reason Naomi and Elimelech and their sons immigrated from Judah to Moab. 
Back in the 1840s, there was a fungus-like organism that spread throughout Ireland. It ruined half of the potato crop in 1845 and three quarters of the crop for the next seven years. Roughly one-eighth of the population of Ireland, a million people died in those years of the Great Potato Famine. More than a million other Irish people did what Edward and Rebecca Caldwell did. They left the home they'd known to head to foreign soil. The Irish at that time saw themselves not simply as victims of famine, but victims of British misrule of their country. It was famine and a political crisis, they would say, that led to their departure and the loss of home it entailed. That's the story of Naomi and Elimelech and their two sons in the opening verses of Ruth heading to Moab from Judah might not have entailed crossing an ocean, but it was heading into decidedly foreign soil. In the books of Numbers and Judges, we read of hostile encounters between the people of ancient Israel and the Moabites. The book of Deuteronomy bans Moabites from entering the assembly of the Lord Moab was not a place residents of Judah would ordinarily go to find a new home, but desperate times call for desperate measures. So Naomi and her family from Judah travel to Moab and settle there with hearts heavy from loss. But the loss Naomi will have to face does not stop there. In verse 3, we read that in Moab, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies, leaving her a widow. Back in the time of judges, losing your husband not only left you grief-stricken, but if you were a woman in a day when only men could hold property, it could leave you economically destitute, thank heaven that Naomi still had her two sons, Milan and Chilion. Each of them marries a Moabite woman, and then for the next decade we read in verse 4, even though Naomi had lost her husband and her home in in Judah, she was blessed with two new family members, Orpah and Ruth. But then comes that devastating fifth and final verse in today's text. We read, Both Milan and Chilion also died, so that Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. What a desolate portrait that paints. In his book, A Grace Disguised, Gerald Sitzer recounts losing his wife and his mother and a daughter one day in a head-on collision. Sitzer writes, Loss creates a barren present as if one were sailing on a vast sea of nothingness. Those who suffer loss live suspended between a past for which they long and a future for which they hope. They want to return to the harbor of the familiar past and recover what was lost. Or they want to sail on and discover a meaningful future that promises to bring them life again. Instead, they find themselves living in a barren present that is empty of meaning. Naomi is portrayed like this in verse 5 in a barren present. A painter might portray her alone and adrift on the sea like this painting by Tim Booth. Or they might paint her instead alone in a cold and barren wilderness like this painting by Alphonse Moucha. 
This painting is said to depict the suffering of the Russian people following the Bolshevik Revolution and then that great famine of 1921. A Russian peasant woman is depicted alone in a cold wilderness with nothing but wolves nearby. It must have felt like that for Naomi. For she will later say of her condition, call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitterness, for I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. So is there hope in these first five verses of Ruth? Is there some symbol that God has not abandoned Naomi in that land of loss? Is there a sign like the star shining in this painting and meant to depict the hope of God's presence in the land of loss? Is there some small ember in this text that might just become a burning bush like the one that spoke to Moses of the presence of God or grew into that pillar of fire that led God's people through the wilderness? There is such an ember in these first five verses of Ruth, and it will become a warm flame for Naomi. And that ember has a name, Ruth the Moabite. When Naomi tells her two daughters-in-law goodbye, as Naomi prepares to depart husbandless, sonless, and likely penniless too, Orpah says farewell to Naomi. Orpah is depicted in this clay piece by Chris Sladoff walking away, but Ruth does not depart. Ruth, whose name first shows up in verse 4, will say these words to Naomi later in verse 16. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Where you are buried, I will be buried. Even death will not separate us. The name which first shows up in verse 4, Ruth, is by verse 16 one of those blessed signs that God is still with Naomi even in the land of loss. Ruth is a sign of God's chesed in Hebrew or kindness in English, kindness towards God's people even though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. As Christians, reading the book of Ruth, reading of Ruth's kindness to Naomi, of how she promised to be with her always, it's hard not to think of our Savior's words to his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As Christians, reading the book of Ruth, it's hard not to think of how God's love took on flesh in Jesus Christ that we might know the loving presence of God in the desert or out on the lonely sea. The Scottish preacher Arthur John Gossip once declared from the pulpit soon after the sudden death of his wife, I do not understand this life of ours, I don't. But still less can I comprehend how people in trouble and loss can fling away from the Christian faith. In God's name, fling to what? Have we not lost enough without losing that too? After Gerald Sitzer lost those three family members in that terrible car accident, he wrote, I lost the world I loved, but I gained a deeper awareness of grace. Naomi, in her loss, would come to see grace, grace showing up in Ruth, a wondrous sign God was with her, showing her kindness, even in a desolate land. 
Hasn't some Ruth shown up for you in a time of loss? Hasn't there been some human face or voice that pointed you to the grace of God, that grace we know finally and fully in Jesus Christ? Maybe you had to say goodbye to some family member, but right beside you was a sister-in-law or brother-in-law or family member or friend or pastor or deacon, and you sensed in their presence a reminder of a deeper, eternal presence that would never let you go. Maybe you received a card from after losing someone dear to you and the words you read were like an ember warming your heart with a reminder God had not abandoned you. As you've navigated today the loss of so much freedom and human community that you had last year, hasn't there been a phone conversation or email or text where another human soul reached out in kindness to you. And in that person's words or actions, didn't you find yourself recalling a kindness you read about in scripture? One so great it said to you that even though you walked through the valley of the shadow of death, God was with you. The rod and staff of the good shepherd, that loving presence would comfort you. Haven't you known some Ruth, some pointer to God's presence, even in a land of loss? And come to think of it, don't you know some Naomi who could use a Ruth right now? Don't you some know someone who is holding a heavy loss and fears their back may break from it? Don't you know someone who could use a word or a voice reminding them they are not alone? You can be a Ruth to them. And with your words or actions, you just might point them to a deeper presence still to the one we know in Christ, the one who once said to his disciples, Lo, I am with you always, even in the land of loss, even to the very end of the age. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.